I was thinking, actually, here's what I was thinking was, uh, I've never had anybody do this, but this would be so correct for somebody to come up and say, Pastor, I'm thirsty, I need a drink, lay your hands on me. I've never had a church member or anybody else ever say, lay your hands on me and, and, and just let the Holy Spirit flow and fill me up. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to ask God to fill us. And, and, and there's a lot of ways to get filled. One is like we pray, as we praise God, we begin to be filled. Especially, you know, we must, we must not do it mindlessly. Just, uh, you know, sometimes people are watching Kevin. Sometimes people are watching the girls. Some people, so, but we got to get our mind on the Lord. I like what Gloria Copeland says. Nothing your heart, if your heart's not in it, it don't count. Nothing in the kingdom of God counts if your heart's not in it. In other words, if your mind's a million miles away and you're not really responding to the Lord, nothing, it does, nothing happens. Nothing, it doesn't count. So we, we must come in and by just an act of our will, focus, by an act of our will, cast off the thoughts of the day that try to crowd in on us. The devil always tries to crowd in on you when you start praising or worshiping or praying. I know if you're at home praying, I know uh, uh, the thought that always comes to me is you ought to go put a load of clothes in the dryer or you need to go hang those clothes up that is in the dryer. I mean, it's something like my washing machine just always yells at me when I try to get by myself with the Lord. Amen. Um, and so uh, we have to learn to put those things aside. We have to learn to, 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 to let our heart focus. Sometimes it takes some time. You can't do that in 30-second prayers, can you? I mean, sometimes you have to pray a little while just to settle down. And one thing that Ronnie Sims, uh, he's gone on to be with Jesus now, y'all know, but he was pastor over in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, he's, one thing he taught me about prayer was uh, that, uh, of course, you have to watch this because you can go to sleep doing this, but to get in a dark room, you can shut out things by getting it dark in a room. You can shut out things. Of course, you can also go to sleep. So you know you know who you are and how you can do it. But I, that, there's been times when that has helped me to turn the lights off, you know, and, uh, and when, when things are trying to distract me and, and get in there and focus in the things of, focus on the Lord, focus on Him, focus on His goodness. Amen? Praise God. Well, you know, as we get filled with the Spirit, the more I'm filled with the Spirit, and I know the times when I've been most filled, everything just goes better in my life. My relationships are better. My marriage is better. The drier I am spiritually, the less things go right even in my relationships. Amen? I don't know why that is. But there's just something about being full of God that just makes it easier to walk and act like God. Doesn't it? Isn't it? And so, you know, we're talking about relationships on Wednesday night. Well, uh, just a... I, I, just an awesome thing to do to just automatically improve all relationships is to be full of the Spirit. There's just something about having been with Jesus that makes you kinder, makes you want to love, makes you want to be a blessing. Amen. Makes you want to forgive. I want to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tonight, and I'm going to read from the Living Bible, so if you just want to listen, that suits me. Um. 1 Corinthians 13, of course, we know it's the love chapter. And I don't know, there's just something about the way the living Bible says it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Seems like it just comes to life in the living Bible. So I'll just read to you tonight and just let it soak in. Just, let, just drink it in. If I had the gift of being able to speak in tongues, we do, and could, not, and could speak every, in every language there is in all of heaven and earth, I guess we probably could if we needed to, I know we can speak all the heavenly ones. I'm not sure about all the earthly ones, but I guess if we needed to, we could. I know a friend of mine uh, said her little niece got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and her mother was Baptist. This is recently. They live in Houston, and her mother goes to First Baptist Houston, and it's big, a big old Baptist church. And, you know, uh, and they don't believe in these things. Uh, my friend told me that they actually went with them one Sunday, and the preacher stepped in the pulpit in the early service, and just started blasting everything, spirit-filled and everything. But anyway, their, her daughter got filled with the Spirit, and she told my friend, she said, my daughter speaks Hebrew. 
<laughs> and uh, she said, she does. And she says, yes, I heard her. So anyway, I don't know what she thinks, but she thinks, the mama thinks it's Hebrew. It's probably just an unknown tongue, but mama thinks it's Hebrew. Anyway, <laughs> so if I had the gift of being able to speak in tongues and could speak in every language there is in all of heaven and earth, but I didn't love others, it would be of no value whatsoever. I would only be making a lot of noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and understood all mysteries, knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would it be? Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak, in a, speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything I have to poor people, and, and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatever. Now, this is the part we need to get to tonight. Love is very patient and kind. And we need to ask ourselves tonight, am I patient? Well, sometimes I am, but I mean we all need to work on that, right? Love is very patient and kind. Love is never jealous or envious. Am I ever jealous in my relationships? When somebody gets something before I get it, maybe we're both believing for a car or something, they get theirs first. Am I jealous? Am I jealous? Am I, uh, uh, am I jealous of, of other people in the relationships? In other words, when my friend, if I have a friendship with you and you make another friend, is that okay with me? Or am I jealous? In other words, do I have to be your exclusive friend? I know a lot of people that if they're not the exclusive, then they just can't handle the relationship. Amen? We shouldn't have to be exclusive. We talked about one week how a worldly system is uh, the... And, and I know I grew up with this. I grew up in the most... I have experience in carnal, 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 worldly relationships. And most every little girl that grows up has that kind of experience. There is nothing more carnal and catty than little junior high girls. Unless they're saved, I guess. And I was saved and I was still carnal. They were, I, was, I, was, I was in a group of girls that we were so carnal and so catty in our relationships. And, you know, we were so exclusive. Will you sit by me in the lunchroom today? And nobody else, you know, can sit by you. And, oh, I tell you, it was, it was every day we went to school and that's what we worked on. Amen? But anyway, we talked about that system and the system of... And I want you to just break this if you've got it. Of, um, like, and I'll just use Jennifer for an example. I think I used Karen last time. But if I said, Gen Jennifer is my best friend. We're best friends. And we talked about how that made y'all feel. You know how it makes you feel? It makes you feel left out. That's why it's carnal. Now, if I say to you, if I say to you, Jennifer and I are very good friends. We are good friends. That, makes, that doesn't make you feel left out. You know what? That makes you feel like, I'd like to be their good friend too. Amen? Not that, anything wrong with having good friends. But there is something wrong with being exclusive. Of having to have Jennifer just for me. My best friend. Or her having to have me just for her. She's my best friend. Nobody else can. It's like everybody else has to be second. Amen? Hallelujah. So we've grown up, my point is, in a carnal system. We grew up in a carnal system. The, way, the world's ways of friendship is carnal. And we have to come to church. The Lord spoke to me. You know, sometimes we think, well, I don't know why they're preaching on that. They need to just preach on, you know, Bible stuff. Well, first of all, this is Bible stuff. But secondly, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, you know, uh, Debbie, everything they talk about on TV, y'all ought to be preaching on in the church. Dear God in heaven, that opens up the whole thing, don't it? But really, listen, if the world is putting it out there on TV, we need to be putting the counterattack on it in the church. To keep our, I mean, if, they pre, if they're talking about homosexuality, we need to be putting the counterattack on that in the church. Otherwise, otherwise the, the, you know, the church just lets all these things happen, lets all these things just progress. Just lets all these things don't and, and like Pastor told me today that they uh, did a survey and I don't know who this survey was with, but they they found out oh at, 
how much influence the church had in people's lives. And it was in the average person of what is influencing me in my life, and we're not talking about the average church person, but the average of all society, what is influencing my church was 26th. The church is not impacting society very much. Amen? Because uh, m most people don't even know what the church, you know, is, thinks about anything. And you know, most people that are trying to impact society with religion are doing it from a hellfire, brimstone, condemnation, um, uh, and they roast them on a... I don't watch the late night shows. If I'm going to watch something late night, I watch Andy Griffin <laughs> at 10.30. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I know that they roast uh, Jerry Falwell and people like that, that they just, you know... <laughs> and, and one reason they do is because the church is not preaching it from the love side. They're teaching it from the turn or burn side. They're teaching it from the side of, uh, you probably saw this one this week, uh, don't wait to go to church till six strong men bring you in. In other words, you're going to die! You're going to die! I mean, isn't that what it's saying in a very sweet religious way? And that's what the word church is used, the world is used to is the church condemning them instead of preaching um, answers. Amen. So, uh, so we're preaching on relationships. I don't know, boy. I'm kind of going around the world tonight, aren't I? Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, love is not jealous or envious, never boastful or proud. See, if we're going to walk in, it, we're not shouldn't be proud in the church. Well, we're so proud that we don't, you know, homosexuality. You are, you are such trash. <laughs> Listen, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. You are no better, and except that you are in Christ. Amen. And without Christ, you would be nothing. Amen. Glory to God. So love is not uh, uh, boastful or proud. It's not haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand that you think like I think. Love does not demand that I'm right and you're wrong. Amen. And you know, some of us have a personality. You know, we have to deal with our personalities. I mean, there's basically kind of two kinds in the world. There's the, I'm right and you're wrong. Bless God, I know it. And I'll let you know I know I'm right and you're wrong. But then there's the other one that says, I'm right and you're wrong. And they don't say anything. They just stuff it down and boil. Amen. But neither one of us... In, in love, in Christ, as we've been in Christ, we're in Him and He's in us, we don't have the right to, do, to be anything but who He is and what He is. Amen? Glory to God. Um, it does not, love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges. Love does not hold grudges. What if every grudge in the church was just let go this week? Amen. The Holy Spirit showed me something about forgiveness, and I've never heard one person ever teach this, but I know, I know what He showed me. And He told me when, you don't, when we don't forgive, uh, well, let me lay a little background for it first. You know, uh, y'all remember when Jesus said that if you have uh, lusted after a woman in your heart, that you've actually... Uh, you, it's the same as if you did it. And do y'all agree with that? Well, based on that same principle, the Lord spoke to me and He said, Debbie, when somebody does you wrong and, and does something to you, when you don't forgive, you're actually doing it to them. It's the same as doing it to them. Because you're holding it there and you're, you, it's just like you are holding it there. And you know what it is? In your heart, you're doing it. You, if you could, without getting caught, without God knowing, you'd do it. You'd do it to them. And when we don't forgive, and you know, Jesus said that if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. Well, the reason He can't forgive us when we don't forgive is because we're actually doing the same sin when we don't forgive, and we aren't repenting of it. Amen? So we can't hold grudges. 
Hallelujah. And you know, uh, some people says, well, it's just so hard to forgive. No, it's not. It's not hard to forgive. It's real easy to forgive. You just have to, you're just focused. When you get focused on Him, and I'm in Him, and He's in me, and you just let Him forgive through you, and you quit worrying about how you feel. God didn't say now, you have to feel right. He said, because sometimes you can, you can actually forgive, and, and it takes a while for feelings to line up to that forgiveness. Amen? So we don't hold grudges. Um, it, is, um, it will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Praise God. We're going to talk about that. It is never glad about injustice but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him and always expect the best of him and always stand your ground in defending him. That doesn't mean they're right. You can defend somebody and, not, not, and know they're not right. You can be loyal to somebody and know maybe that they're not perfect. Uh, sometimes we expect people in, we're in relationship or friendship with, we expect them to be perfect. And we have, that is a wrong expectation to start to expect anybody on this earth to be perfect. Amen? And when we're loyal, I want to tell you, you can't be loyal to somebody and be uh, uh, talking about them. Amen? In a bad light. In other words, putting them in a bad, putting them in a bad light. And, you know, uh, so <clears throat> uh, we're, that, we'll stop there with that. But uh, I wanted to start us out that way. And then we're going to look at... Um, you know, I couldn't remember where we stopped in our sheets the other night. I, you know, I don't know why I don't mark that, but I don't have a pen when we leave. And then I just couldn't exactly remember. But um, we've been talking about how to be a good friend. And we talked about uh, some things tonight. So we'll just continue that and just maybe review a minute since I don't re remember. And then we'll catch up. One of the things we talked about was focus on your friend's strengths instead of their weaknesses. Because that's what love would do. Amen. You know, if we're looking for faults, we can find them. If we're looking for bad things, we'll find it, won't we? In everybody's life. And then treat all people as equals. We went into great depth about uh, making that uh, treating people equal. Make your relationships special. In other words, to value them and make time for them, and uh, to be uh, to be honest, to, to be open with your friends. Um, now, and, and, and that doesn't mean that we tell, you know, there's levels of relationships, and that's one thing we need to understand. And, 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 and relationships progress and grow through time. And something that, if I make a friend tomorrow and we progress through next month in a relationship, I may not divulge everything that I would divulge to a friend that's been a friend for the last 25 years. You understand that. So we're open, but we're open at the level that the relationship wants. Do you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes people get in trouble when they're too open with people that maybe they don't know as well. And so you, you, we, we, we are, we are, uh, we're transparent without, uh, the Bible says that, to, to, that we're to be discreet. Discretion is to watch over us. A lot of people get hurt because they don't let discretion watch over them. You know, there's things that you might tell a trusted friend that you wouldn't tell your employees at work. Amen? Do you all understand what I'm saying? And so we let discretion watch over us in what we tell. And then we trust our friends. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we pray with our friends. We talked extensively about how praying together is so powerful. And we allow our friends to grow. We give people time to grow, not expecting them to be perfect, not expecting them to think like we think in every in in every area. Of course, if we're going to be, if the relationship is going to have to have some common ground, you understand. Uh, but uh, not expecting them to be just like us. Not requiring that they be exclusive to us. Uh, and then also demand nothing in return. Uh, we talked about that for quite a while. Now I think that this is new ground now. But one of the things that we must do in relationships is show gratitude. Healthy friendships require that we show gratitude. We have a responsibility to God to show Him gratitude. And you know, 
I see a lot of ungrateful Christians. When we complain about the situation that we're in today, first of all, we're not in faith when we're complaining, are we? But secondly, we're showing an ingratitude. Because pastor always says it this way, you know, even compared to what many people have in the world, even on our worst day, we're blessed, aren't we? Amen. I heard Joyce Meyer talk about it from a healing standpoint once. And, you know, she said, you know, if my toe's hurting, I thank God my head's not hurting. Amen. And, you know, sometimes we just, you know, we just get focused on the negative side of life instead of being thankful. I want to read to you Luke 17, how Jesus taught us to be thankful. He taught us the principle of being not only thankful to God, but thankful to uh, to others and that how that we should always express that gratitude in Luke 17, beginning in verse 13, he said, and they lifted up their voices and said, Master Jesus, have mercy on us. And um, these were those lepers, you know, those 10 lepers. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And they came and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten clans, but where are the nine? The, the, there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Rise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. We need to make this portion of Scripture a principle in our lives, that we are always grateful. Always thankful to God. You know, um, I paid bills this week. And, you know, I, I'll just, um, can I be honest? I couldn't pay all the bills. I mean, and nothing's past due, but I just, there wasn't. And so, but, you know, I was just thanking God. I just, the, God, the Holy Spirit prompted me. He said, thank me for the ones you could pay. And I said, well, thank you, Lord, for the bills. And, you know, because, I, you know, it's not fun not to be able to pay them all. It's not fun to, you know, and so at first it just like, you know, I didn't really want to. My flesh didn't want to thank God for the bills I was able to pay. But, you know, I said, well, thank you, Lord, for the bills I did pay. And I said, thank you, Lord, nothing's past due. I mean, praise God at least, nothing's past due. And I just, as I began to thank Him for that, you know what happened? My faith just rose up about the whole situation. All of a sudden, I just, it was empowering to be thankful. And you know, the Lord told me a lot a long time ago, sometimes people pay their bills every month and they go, man, I only, you know, and they get so fretful over not much left instead of being thankful that they could pay them. Amen? Well, thank God we had it. Some people get so mad when they get an IRS bill. Well, my tax bill is $1,100. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to up there in the sound booth. <laughs> anyway, but they, and they get so fretful over that. And, I, and, and you say to them, well, do you have it? Well, yeah, I have it. Well, praise God you have it. Amen? Praise God you have it. You know, we, we need to accept the fact, family, that bills are a way of life. Don't we? Sometimes we're fretting over things that we just need to accept. Amen? Hallelujah. They're not ever going to change. Their Northport is never going to quit charging for water. They are, they're never going to. They just never will. You know, it belongs to God. They're drawing it out of His earth. You know, they ought to be giving it to us. I mean... I mean, some of us are, but they're never going to. We need to just accept it. Amen? You're going to always have to buy shoes for your kids. Sometimes we, oh, my God, the kids need shoes. My Lord, they're growing like weeds. That's all I do. They, I, I, or they wear them out. You know, I mean, if you just bought them a pair and they turn around, boy, those boys can go through a stage, can't they? When they're wearing them out. And Pastor always, you know, he had a pair he didn't like once, so he, he tells this on himself. He got on the motorcycle and purposely drug his feet. And, you know, I think our kids do things like that, don't they? They lose them. I, I, I drive down the road all the time and see shoes in the road. Do y'all see shoes all the time? 
<laughs> and I'm like, wonder what, whose kid that was. That you know, just they don't. Kids sometimes don't take care of things, and I mean, it's like we need to accept the fact that we got kids. They're gonna need shoes. Enjoy and and just say, thank God I've got it. You know. Thank God I've got it. When we've got it, and then when we don't have it, we just, you know, we get in the, and we say, thank God I've got it by faith, don't we? Either way, it's thank God I've got it, isn't it? Whether it's by faith or whatever. So showing gratitude puts us in a realm of faith. And you know, we need to also show gratitude in our relationships. Some, so many people are takers. They just let people give them things, and they don't ever say thank you. I've noticed something about the poor. This is one of their problems. Have you ever noticed how the poor, have you ever noticed a lot of times they don't say thank you? I mean, I don't know. I've just noticed that it seemed like the poorer, you know, they are. You can't say, it's hard to say poorer. <laughs> the poorer they are, and poor's worse than poor, you know. The poorer they are, the less grateful and thankful they are when people even do things for them. There's a correlation here, family. And I believe there's a correlation. I think even when we get into faith churches and we begin to sow and we begin to confess, and I think you, we all should be confessing this. If you're a giver, you should be saying over yourself all the time, I give and it is given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, men given to my bosom. With what measure I meet, it's measure unto me. I sow bountifully, therefore I reap bountifully. God is able to make all grace, and He does make all grace abound toward me, that I might have sufficient in all things it might abound to every good work every charitable donation hallelujah we need to be saying that over ourselves but sometimes and I've actually heard preachers teach now if somebody gives you something like in the church and they give you a $20 bill don't write them a thank you note I've actually heard preachers say that because it comes from God but I want to tell you something I don't believe that's right I believe that we should not only, we should express thanks in some way. I believe there's two ways to express, express thanks. Do whichever you're comfortable with. I believe I don't I, I don't I don't think that we should just. I know my kids used to be this way. You hold out a twenty dollar bill or something to them, and they just and it was like gone. I mean, they just practically jerk it out of your hands. Um, <laughs> and and uh, sometimes they said thanks, but anyway, I don't think we should be like that. I think that if we either, we need to either it, uh, uh, very uh, very vocally express our thanks very sincerely, you know, or we do need to write a thank you note. And some people aren't very comfortable with very, being very vocal with their thanks, and some people uh, uh, can't handle the writing bit. <laughs> But, you know, I think that if we really want God to move on people to give to us, that we need to thank Him. Well, I think we need to realize this didn't come from them, that really God moved on their heart. And even when it's our parents, you don't realize how much that's God. I know there were times when we first were in the ministry that my mom, she was... She was buying clothes for my kids. She was buying me dresses sometimes. And she was, uh, there were times that they were giving money to us. And uh, uh, sometimes, you know, I had a hard time because I was doing this, separating whether this is my mom just doing this or God was really doing it. But I realized, you know, one day she quit. And you know what I realized? That must have not been mom because she's still my mom. Must have been God. And she just like, it was kind of like that source dried up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Time to grow up, mature, quit leaning on mom. You know, praise God, you're mature enough now to believe me in another way. So, uh, but we need to be grateful to people. We need to express our gratitude to people. We need to teach our kids to express gratitude when people give us things. And you know, even if it's something that we don't particularly like, you know, when somebody gives you something that you don't like or maybe you can't use, maybe it doesn't fit, whatever, you know what I think that is, is that's just another seed to pass along. Amen? Just give it, just pass it on down the, pass it on down to somebody else. So, so be led of the Spirit and sow that seed, but be grateful. Amen? So we need to show gratitude. <laughs> Colossians 3.15 in the Living Bible says, Let the peace of 
heart which comes from Christ be always present in your hearts and lives, for this is your responsibility and privilege as members of His body, and always be thankful. We need the expressions of gratitude to, to God first and to people. Amen? And those expressions of gratitude, and this is, you know, Marilyn Hickey says, preach the Word and live your convictions. In other words, quit preaching your convictions on other people. But I'll just tell you, I don't think email is a satisfactory way of expressing gratitude. Amen. That's just, but that's my conviction. That's not the word. Amen. You be led. Anyway, so uh, we either need to do that verbally, and that's not just thanks either. It's like thank you for the gift. It was, it was, it's much appreciated. And I like sometimes a nice thing to say and and do this is I agree with you. For God to give you a harvest on what you have given. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to say this. This is the disclaimer. <laughs> We're going to walk in love here because all of us have slipped up. Forgot a thank you note. I have actually wrote thank you notes before and then couldn't remember if I wrote a thank you note. Amen? Now, I'm not making any confessions over age or anything, but I have literally sat there before and gone, God, did I write? And then there's been times when I just thought, if I write another one and I already wrote one, they're going to think, Miss Debbie's loony. <laughs> She's crazy. But if I don't write one, they're going to think I'm remiss. There's been, and so, you know, we got to be gracious with each other. This should be a way of life that we, that we do express gratitude, but we also should give each other some space to not be perfect. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. But, you know, if somebody, if, you've been, if you give all the time to them and they never express any kind of gratitude to you, well, then you may want to rethink if that's good ground. Sometimes God will have us do it. There are some relationships. See, and I, I need to say this. If, if I do all the doing and you never do any doing, then we don't, have, we don't have a relationship. If it's all one-sided, we don't have a relationship. If I'm doing all the doing, I've got a missions project. And it's okay to have a missions project where, you, where God is moving on you to really sow and to really bless and to be the whole thing in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to have a missions project if you're sure God's leading you in that area. Amen? Don't y'all agree? God's led me at times to be a blessing to people who weren't doing anything back, to do all the doing, so to speak. But, you know, but I have to know, I don't have a relationship, I have a missions project. Y'all see what I'm saying? Because so, in a relationship, and we don't have to try to keep this equal. Now, okay, I gave you a $10 bill. Now, you know, we're not trying to, we're not keeping score, we're not trying to keep it equal. But in a relationship, there's going to be something coming back. There's going to be some way that we're both being a mutual blessing to each other. Amen? Do y'all agree with that? And then the next the thing on relationships is keep your commitments. Now, I'm going to read this from Matthew 20 in the Living Bible once again. The Living Bible is really good on relationships, really expressive. Matthew 20, beginning in verse 1. Keeping our commitments. Here is another illustration of the kingdom of heaven. The owner of an estate went out early one morning to hire workers for his harvest field. He agreed to pay them $20 a day and sent them out to work. A couple of hours later, he was passing a hiring hall and saw some men standing around waiting for jobs. So he sent them also into his fields, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. At noon and again around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that evening, he was in town again and saw some more men standing around and asked them, Why haven't you been working today? Because no one hired us, they replied. Then go out and join the others in my fields, he told them. That evening, he told the paymaster to call the men in and pay them, beginning with the last men first. When the men hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received $20. So when the men hired earlier came to get theirs, they assumed they would receive much more. But they too were paid $20. They protested. 
Those fellows worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as those of us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Friend, he answered one of them, I did you no wrong. I did you no wrong. Didn't you agree to work all day for 20? Take it and go. It is my desire to pay all the same. Is it against the law to give away my money? If I want to, should you be angry because I am kind? And so it is that the last shall be first and the first last. So one of the things we have to do is keep our commitments. We must keep our agreements whether they're favorable or not. We need to live up to the responsibility that we accept. We need to, as long as we are not suffering abuse or harm, we need to fulfill the agreements we have made with others. Keep our word, be punctual, keep the rules. Don't be a rule bender. Some of us want to bend the rules. It shouldn't be with, uh, that way with us who are in Christ and Christ is in us. We may not agree with the rules that our boss has set up, but we ought to keep the rules that he has set up. Amen? Hallelujah. He's the boss. He has the right to set rules, doesn't he? You see? And you know, people cry abuse over things that aren't really abusive in our day, but as long as they're not abusive and we're not suffering harm, we need to keep the rules. Amen? You agree with that, Joe? <laughs> hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You know, um, hallelujah. That's That sets us apart as Christians right there in our day, doesn't it? Amen. I mean, there's nobody, uh, hardly even Christians doing that, being a rule keeper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. Keep your commitments. Well, we finally made it after three weeks of trying to Relationships Part 3. I don't know if y'all even still have that in your Bible. Does anybody still have that piece of paper? And let's just, the pastor's not through yet, so let's get let's work on it a minute. <clears throat> I've, uh, relationships Part 3 is called Getting Ready to Be a Good Friend. You know, um, I was never taught these things. I was never taught as a child how to have friends and how to be a good friend. And uh, I've never heard anybody else ever teach it in a church. And I have learned so much myself in teaching these things. And there's some principles that if we just follow them, um, will greatly enhance our relationships and also will greatly enhance the peace that we have in our heart. One of the things as, as Christians that we need to do to be a good friend is to know who we are in Christ. If we know who we are in Christ, know that our value comes from Christ, that my right standing with Christ isn't earned through obedience, but is granted because of faith. If I'm confident about who I am, it's going to change everything about my relationships. You know, if I'm confident about who I am in Christ, one thing is I'm not going to be real sensitive. I'm not going to be real easily offended. I'm not going to be wearing my feelings on my shoulders all the time. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. I know He loves me. I don't have to have your approval. Amen? And we, we, we all need to grow in this, where we don't have to have men's approval as much. And that, that frees me up to love you unconditionally if I don't have to have your approval. And it makes me able to be a better friend. Amen? Just knowing who I am in Christ, just being, just being confident about myself. Amen? And the number two thing is to know who you are and be real. To know really not just to know who you are in Christ, but to know who you are. You know, people that are mixed up about who they are, don't know their destiny, don't know what they're called to, don't, don't really understand, have never really uh, prayed about and found out, you know, what God has planned for their life and know what their, their giftings are, what their strengths are. Amen? That's something we need to discover is what our strengths are, what our giftings are. Amen? And if that'll make me a better friend if I know who I am and um, if I can just be real, not be a fake, not pretend to be something I'm not. Amen? Now that may weed out some people. Not everybody may like the real Debbie. I know one pastor's wife that I had one time a long time ago, she said, uh, <coughs> she said, 
you know, and, and she was the personality type. Some, there's one personality type that has a real fear of rejection, just really has a fear of rejection and uh, uh, really uh, is kind of the one that's everybody's friend and just, you know, has lots of friends. And, and uh, anyway, uh, she said, you know, it kind of shocked me the first time I realized that everybody wasn't going to love Trudy Staples that everybody wasn't going to like Trudy Staples. And, you know, <clears throat> we need to get settled about who we are. We need to get settled. You know, some of us are more uh, bold and more outspoken and more, uh, you know, like my name is my name is Deborah. It actually means, uh, uh, it means like the queen bee. It's like the declarer of righteous truth. And you know, I just have to accept, sometimes I look at, at people like Kathleen, they're a little more meeker and milder, and I go, God, why can't I be meek and mild, you know? I used to, and Marilyn Hickey, I always thought, God, Marilyn Hickey is so gracious. I want to be gracious like Marilyn Hickey is so, if you ever see her in real life, she's just so gracious. And I'm like, God, I want to be, but you know, you just got to accept who you are and how God made you. I just, you know, there's nothing I can do to be meek and mild. I can't do it. And you know, there's really nothing Kathleen could do to be the outspoken declarer. I mean, we, it just wouldn't happen, would it? And we just have to accept each other and we have to accept ourselves with the gift of God that God put in us and we have to just get okay with the fact that God's going to give us relationships, but there may be some people that just don't care that much for us. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, the third thing is be close to God. One thing that really will, and we talked about that already kind of, that when we get filled up with the Spirit, when we're tanked up and we're close to God, we're just better at relationships. So let's just move on because we already covered that one. Number four, avoid seeking the approval of others. Man, you can just wear yourself out trying to please everybody. Now, even in, in a, as a pastor's wife, this is really difficult. You know, it is just everybody's not going to like everything all the time. And when you try to get everybody's approval, and some people are just professional approval withholders. It wouldn't matter if they just don't. I know I had a church member once in another town, and it's like it didn't matter what you did, she didn't give you her approval. She would never, no matter what pastor did, she would not give, his, give approval to him. And, you know, we just have to grow up in some of those things. Amen? Avoid seeking the approval of others. Lester Summerall said, I never seek the applause of people, and I am never moved by their criticism. Now, that is a place of maturity, and that is a place for us all to desire to go. Amen? That, mean, that doesn't mean we're not correctable and we're not teachable, but when God shows us something to do, we're not moved if, if everybody doesn't like it. Amen? Uh, number five, examine your motive for each relationship. Our relationships are not going to be very good. Our friendships, if we've got the wrong motive for the friendship in the first place. Some people have the motive of prestige through association. In other words, if I get to be a friend with them, because you know they are... You know, well, maybe I can get on and work at that place if I get to be friends with them. Those kind of relationships never work long. Um, if I, if my motive for my relation for the relationship is to lean on somebody, that goes back to knowing who I am in Christ, being whole myself, not not needing being needy needy, you know, in the sense of I have to have your approval. I have to have, you have to keep me pumped up all the time. Uh, you have to, you know, um, we don't need to make relationships just to lean on somebody. Uh, to position ourselves for business introductions. And here's the, here's the little factor about this, this one, about having the right motive. See, if I try to make a friendship with you based on what you can do for me, you know, you may have a position at Stillman, and you may can do something for me over there. 
But when I make a friendship with you, I don't just get your position at Stillman. I get you spirit, soul, and body. I get the whole Kevin when I make a friendship. I get the whole Leanne when I make a friendship. And sometimes people that we would like to be friends with, and if our motive's wrong, and we try to be friends with somebody because of the association, then we get other things in the package of their flesh that we don't want. We get other things in the package of their, their soul that we don't want. And that relationship is not a healthy one. It, it's, it's, it's like marrying somebody for money. When you marry a man or a woman for money, you get more in their money, don't you? You may get the money, but you may get a whole bunch of other stuff that you don't want. Because, see, you're not just getting... When, when I'm in friendship with you, I'm not, I don't get just one part. I get all of you. Amen? And so we need to make sure our motives are right. Number six, build around the altar. Build your friendships around the altar. In other words, build on biblical principles. Build your relationships on forgiveness. Build your relationships on walking in love. Build around the altar. Build around righteousness. Don't build them around the wrong thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. I bet they're through back there, don't you? I mean, amen. <laughs> I, you think they're through? You really do? They're waiting. Okay, good. I appreciate you checking on that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Well, we're going to stop there tonight. Hallelujah. I had a good time. I have. I, I want my relationships to be right. I want God to help me with every area of my life. But relationships are so important. Praise God. Let's stand up together. I know we kind of quit abruptly there, but just felt like I ran out of time. So, Father, I come before you tonight. And, Lord, I ask you. take these truths and Lord build them into the very fabric of our being so that from this day forward our relationships prosper Father we need relationships we need friendships it's your desire to connect us with people thank you Lord that you help us. Thank you that you teach us to be better friends and better communicators. God, teach us to be better church members. Teach us to be tolerant of others and to walk in love. Teach us to show the world that we're Christians by our love. Teach us, dear Father, and Lord, we thank you for knitting this church together in the bonds of love. Thank you, Lord, that as we are in relationship with one another, that we pray for one another. And that, Lord, you are adding to this family, bringing those here that we can help and that need help, that need the great physician, that need to be rehabilitated in their lives and in their hearts. Some of them need a healing emotionally as well as a healing physically. Thank you, dear Father, that you're bringing them in to this house of healing. And thank you, Lord, for all of these people here that you've so awesomely equipped to be healers. Lord, there's encouragers here. There's speakers of truth here. Lord, there are comforters here. There are those that would show mercy. Lord, there are givers here that have been, Father, especially anointed to even be beyond the normal giver. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the reign of the Holy Spirit, the Holy power of God ministering life and flowing and Lord fill us up prepared for the end time 
job that is to be done in the earth. Let us walk in your grace more than we ever have. Lord, we rely and lean on the anointing, not relying on ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that we are in you and you are in us. And we cannot be defeated because if we were defeated, you would be defeated because we're in you. We're in you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, we're in you and you are in us. And for us to be sick means you would have to be sick because we are in you. Thank you, Lord, that our bodies are healed and line up to that truth in the name of Jesus. Lord, put a deposit, a Holy Ghost deposit in our hearts. I just sense God wants to put something in us that's never been there before. Thank you, Jesus. A fresh grace as it was. A fresh grace. A fresh grace. It's like an end time grace where things are easier than they used to be. Easier than they used to be. Not that everything's a a bed of roses, but that they're easier. There's a grace. There's a grace. Receive the grace that God wants to put in you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Receive it, Jesus. I take it. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for doors of opportunity, opening for Word of Life Church and for your people individually and corporately. Thank you, Lord, that we're at the right place at the right time, that our steps are ordered by the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that what we put our hand to prospers. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for our new children's church nursery and restroom facilities. We thank you, Lord, for our paved parking lot. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, let's be dismissed and then... If you need prayer, well, I'll be up here to agree with you.